Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Stride and Saunter. I'm one of your hosts, Hector Marrero. And I'm Kip Clark. And before we get to our topic this week, a few things that we wanted to mention to our listeners so you guys know what's going on. Uh, in case you weren't aware, we have a website, strideandsaunter.com, but on that website, we are trying our best to fill it with content. So we have on the right sidebar of the site things we are currently listening to, be it music or something else, things we're currently watching, things that we're currently reading that we recommend that you as our listeners check out if you're looking for entertainment or other ways to pass the time. Also on our site, up on the top menu, you will notice that we have surveys. We'd like to hear back from you guys in addition to topics that you can submit. We also want to know when the ideal upload time would be for you, our listeners. If you'd prefer that we keep uploading on Wednesday night, which is our current schedule, we will continue to put up episodes then every week. If not, if you'd prefer another day of the week, just let us know. There's an easy survey you can fill out. Also, there's a survey for future giveaways of gift cards. We'd like to reward you guys for for giving us your time. We really appreciate it, and we want to express that. So please let us know in the future what types of gift cards you would like to win. And that's all I had to say. Please check out the website. Again, that is strideandsaunter.com. And Hector, what are we going to be talking about today? Today's topic is submitted by an anonymous listener. The topic is mediocrity. So this is a big topic, so I think we should start by defining what mediocrity is. I agree. So I, I guess I would define mediocrity or something that is mediocre as being something that's not good. It's not bad necessarily, but it is not what was expected. It was not what not what it could have been. So I guess there's an expectation in there. For something to be mediocre, it could have been one thing and it ended up being lesser than that. Be it a a song that's not composed well, a... Actually, let me give an example of my own thought. I know an example of mediocrity on my own part and, you know, something that people might be able to resonate with. I think about myself uh, my freshman year being kind of a dengue kid Dengus. I love Please that word. Please define. <laughs> a, a dengus? Oh, that's a... I think I got it from a television show called Dr. Steve Brule. He calls people dengus, and I've been using that word way too often nowadays. Anyway, when I was a freshman, you know, I was sillier. I was, you know, goofing around and not doing my homework as often as I should have been. And I can remember doing assignments the day before, the night before, more likely, and, you know, handing it in and not doing as well on my paper as I could have. And I think that there's a few of embarrassment associated with it. But I think the feeling that I remember the most is this longing and this understanding that I could have done better. I could have put in the time. I could have, you know, allotted the time for myself way beyond or way before, you know, it was due and given myself the time to do this assignment. And uh, I think about mediocrity because I think, you know, I think it's everywhere. I think it exists beyond the college setting. I think there is mediocrity in uh, television shows or in music. You get a lot of junky, not that great music. You uh, have mediocre movies. I mean, there's, and you know, what's interesting too is that, you know, you can have, I was just talking to one of my professors and we were talking about how a big budget film, even if $20 million goes into it, if it's a mediocre film, you know, it's not going to get distributed. It's not going to go out. You're not going to make the money back. So I guess there's, you know, there's a lot to be said about mediocrity, but what are your experiences with mediocrity yourself? Mm. Perhaps similar to yourself, my experiences of mediocrity have definitely been associated with school. I think there's a lot of pressure on students and children to succeed in school, you know, earn an A, and I think that it's always disappointing when you're not 
met with the success you, you think you could have achieved. And I think it's especially important that you brought up the idea of what you could have accomplished and the feeling that you could have done better because I think that on some level that is a taunting feeling and that we can be motivated by it and feel a drive to accomplish more and to be better, but we can also feel trapped by it in the sense that it's looming over us, that we know we could have been better and we weren't better. But most of my experiences with mediocrity have been scholastic, for the most part academic. I don't think I have the same intuitions as many other people do, so I think it's led me to struggle in situations where most people find things intuitive or common sense. If I may interject, you brought up children, you brought up scholastics, and you know, in a, in a way we haven't, you and I, right now we're in college, and so we're at this upper level of education, but for the most part we've been in school almost our entire lives, with summer breaks in the middle, but for the most part we've been being educated and given this education for a long time. But I guess mediocrity also plays into being being a child, you know, sometimes I mean, you're going to be mediocre when you're younger. You're not going to be very good when you're younger when doing things. But one thing that I remember is I, when I was younger, I, I f- had this feeling, and I've been bringing this, this has come up in conversations a few times now with a few friends of mine and colleagues, that I remember this feeling of feeling mediocre and not ever being able to do something. Specifically drawing, I remember I thought, I will never be able to draw. I'll never be, you know painter or a you know even be able to sketch things because I'm just not good I'm just not good I just can't and that actually led me or, or led to some interesting behaviors of me as a kid I remember receiving this little book and inside this book it was this it was like a how to or like play with clay book and it had a bunch of you know little slabs of clay and maybe 10 different colors and then inside the book it had all these different designs and different things you can do with the clay ways to mix the colors together ways to you know shape it so it looks like a little fish or a cat or a little house or whatever but I remember telling myself I would always look at it and it never left this plastic wrapping and I would just leave the clay inside the the packaging Mm -hmm. because I would always tell myself well Hector you can't do that you're you're not capable of doing the things the book tells you to do there's no way you can you're not an artist you know and this this is like little kid me. This is little nine, eight-year-old me <laughs> just goofing around, going downstairs to the basement, looking at this thing, and then putting it down. And what came out of that was, you know, I would go to things that were easier, things that were more accessible or, I guess, less risky, such as video games. I would play a lot of, you know, video games when I was younger instead of doing things that were challenging because I thought, well, if I do this challenging task, I'm just going to come up with the same, you know, results, which are not good. And so this feeling of mediocrity as a kid made me feel like I couldn't do it. And so it actually led to me giving up. I I don't know if that, you know, maybe you can build off of that. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you talk about sort of the aversion to mediocrity and what it motivates people to do. I think a lot of people, whether they admit it or not, experience degrees of failure or mediocrity. And instead of working to improve on what they hadn't done well, they they avoid it altogether because it's just easier to give up, which is a very relatable concept. I think we've all given up on things, but I also wonder if the people who excel as business people, as athletes, as scholars, etc., all went through the same mediocrity and some just stuck with it and got better, or if there's something innate in, in people who succeed on that level. But I have definitely been averse to mediocrity. I played soccer and lacrosse at various points in my life. 
Um, no way. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's a joke to a lot of people, and I, I continue to shift uncomfortably in my seat when, when people laugh at it. But perhaps for good reason, I wasn't an amazing athlete nor an amazing player of the game. I think fundamentally I understood how they worked, but I, often, I don't think I was aggressive in the same way that other kids were, you know, as agile or nimble, what have you. And so I think that feeling made me especially sensitive to the criticisms of other players. And a lot of it was self-criticism in my head. I would tell myself that I wasn't playing up to their level, and I wonder if, to an extent, better players just have a dialogue or a narrative of confidence in their heads, constantly rolling, telling them they can do it, telling them that they make great plays and whatnot. And I think that I was able to learn what other players were doing well, but it didn't help me really get past my own sense of you know, lack of abilities. And it was an uncomfortable sense. So I think it's something that I'm not super, I don't know, keen on remembering because I remember specifically areas in which I didn't do well. And I think it's hard as other players because you don't want to criticize your teammate. I think it's hard as coaches and parents because you don't want to tell your kids that they're not doing well. But I also think that, that everyone involved should be honest about it and say, well, Kip's not playing well or whoever it is isn't doing well because you don't improve otherwise. And I think that over the probably six years or so, maybe even seven that I played lacrosse, I did improve, but I think that it was a gradual process, and to me it seemed like I was far below the level of many of the other players, and it's it's not a good feeling, especially on a, on a team, and I think that's a, an essential piece of this, that mediocrity is more apparent, not only because other players are better, but because to an extent you feel loyal to the team, you don't want to let them down, and you're aware that in your mediocrity or perceived mediocrity, you are not doing anything to help the team grow and you're probably holding the team back and that feeling is sort of a lingering one that I, I always hated. So it's it's definitely a piece of, I think, how I treat group actions now because I don't want to be mediocre and bring the group down. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad that you bring up this sports aspect because for one short, short season, I too played soccer um, <laughs> and I was the goalie. And my goodness, I don't think I played more than one game, honestly. I think I might have played like a single game on this soccer team. I'm not even sure how I ended up on the soccer team, to be it's honest. a soccer team with a question mark. <laughs> like, you don't know what it actually was. <laughs> but I just remember being the goalie and just letting in maybe nine goals. I let in an insane amount of goals. I had no idea what I was doing. I had practiced maybe for four or five days beforehand. But honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Just let them all in. And I ended up getting replaced. But I never, I, I, I too uh, was not a big fan of playing sports. I played Little League Baseball for a long time. And I remember I got moved up or I got bumped up to like the bigger leagues. And I, I wasn't, I didn't like it. I don't know if it was the competitive aspect or this feeling of, I want to go back on this one thing you talked about, which was this perceived mediocrity or mediocrity that stays in your head. I wonder where that stems from. Or I, I'm guessing this perceived mediocrity comes from exterior sources from somebody telling you listen you're not that good and then ends up sticking with you and you end up keeping it in your head but I think it can be a little dangerous if you 
you know, like that little story I was talking about with my artistic abilities as a young person, you know, these feelings of mediocrity can stick with you and stop you, prevent you from becoming any better. Just this past May, I tried sketching for the first time in a long, long time. I just pulled out the these nice pencils I had. I went on YouTube and looked for some tutorials on how to draw spheres because that was that seemed to be the most challenging thing. As, you know, a circle, a three-dimensional you know sphere and my goodness I I managed to draw I drew a sphere and I was ecstatic I was so happy and I realized that it was 20 22 years of me living before I realized holy moly I was just stopping myself I was the one preventing myself from doing this I wanted to bring up this subject, and this is kind of a big subject, but mediocrity in society. Mediocrity on a larger level. Do you think that happens? Is that, I mean, it's a big topic, but I guess I want to ask you, Kip, what do you think it means for a society or a group of people to be mediocre? Or do you ever see that? Do you ever get any examples of this? Or do you ever get any feelings of, you know, mediocrity in a society? Certainly. I think for a society to be mediocre, they have to lose faith in themselves as a collective whole. I think there are a lot of ways in which a group of people can be mediocre. You can have sort of infighting and self-doubt amongst its members. You see people just sort of disagreeing with one another and criticizing without any real restraint or reason. But I think a mediocre society is one that can't envision what they want to become. I think one piece of mediocrity that, that lingers is the lack of predictive ability to perceive what you could be. If you're currently not the best goalie, you could maybe envision yourself being a better goalie. And I think that's what pushes some people to get past the mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Because we all start somewhere. Most of us do not start out at a prodigy level of talent. And I think a big piece of getting past mediocrity is being able to legitimately picture and comprehend what that reality might be like if you were better. And so I think you are a mediocre society when you collectively are living too much in the present to the extent that you're getting down on all the negatives, becoming crestfallen, and failing to envision or perceive a potential future as a society, not individually, you're going to accomplish this or he or she's going to accomplish that, but as a group, you need to be able to, I think, envision a better future. I think that's why America was able to push away from the British and become its own nation, because I think Americans, at least at that point, had a very clear image that they didn't want to be tyrannically controlled, wanted to have freedoms, etc. I'm not going to get into that now, but I think they were the opposite of mediocre. I think they were driven and could envision success. And I'm sorry that I keep repeating the verb envision, but it feels adequate. I guess another thing that I'm curious about is, is there perhaps a push by, let's just call it society. Let's, let's call it society. Okay, so let's, let's say this. Can there be, and possibly in this current day and age, is there a push for mediocrity? And I guess let me lay out what argument I have. I haven't you know, done research on this right now. This is more of just me coming up with these thoughts. But I'm, I'm going back to advertisements and television shows and movies and things. But in American movies or TV shows, let's, let's talk about Law & Order, for example. You have criminals in Law & Order who have you know, perfect teeth. 
which is something that most people won't notice, but some people do notice. I watch some British television shows. One thing, one reason I like British television shows is that they get people that look the part. Not everybody looks perfect and, you know, to the beautiful chiseled jaw and six foot four and broad shoulders. They look like normal people. But perhaps our advertisements, which show women that look a certain way, you know, very thin and tall and, you know, a certain image, guys who are, again, very chiseled, full heads of hair. Do these things put pressure on the, let's call them common people, on the regular people, to not do things, to not be their best selves, because perhaps they see these images and these... For example, in New York City, you have billboards, huge billboards while you're driving, even while you're walking through Times Square or wherever, that show these people looking good with the newest products, with these newest things. And so, you know, sure, you're advertising this product and you have some eye candy. But at the same time, isn't there this like weight that's also placed on the viewer that says, you are not this, you can't be this, you can't have this, you can't be a young, youthful looking person running through the beach. You know, I think this can be delved into further, but I think that it is possible for society to bring down many people at once on purpose, perhaps not on purpose, I'm not sure, but I think it is very much possible for society and let's let's say, you know, big companies to bring down common people and to say, you're not good, you're not the best, you are mediocre, and that's all you're ever going to be. Because, you know, these feelings that I had as a kid of not being able to, you know, play with clay or ever make anything, I am 100% sure that there are people that have these feelings today. I mean, there are certainly things that I still feel mediocre about, but what if you live your entire life that way? I do think there is legitimacy behind the idea of mass mediocrity. I think it's something encouraged by certain groups, certain companies, if you will, because economically it's a viable idea. It, it makes sense. I think a makeup vendor or you know an apparel store can very easily convince you that you need that thing to at least appear as though you are not mediocre. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of other things that, that try and help us evade or escape from mediocrity, but I think that as an idea, if the public feels mediocre, celebrities or other figures in power or in the public eye are ideally not that, they're better than us, but I do think mediocrity is something almost encouraged, and it's especially dangerous because there's a flaw in every human being, and when I say a flaw, I mean numerous flaws. You will always find a way to make someone feel mediocre, and so I think it's especially dangerous when companies, or even to get away from the economic side, any groups or any individuals point out the mediocrity of other people, because if you're sensitive enough or self-aware, you won't let it go. And so I think it is a dangerous thing. I think it it gives a very divided image of who we are as a society, as people, and it's true globally. I think there are global celebrities everywhere that represent this idea of mediocrity versus supernatural or superhuman, and I think it's problematic because mediocrity on a lot of levels is encouraged and it's it's found in a lot of places, I think. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, the final thing I want to talk about is can mediocrity make us better? Well, if I may, I'm convinced that it can make us better. I don't think that it always will, but I do think that some of the most triumphant stories that we ever hear are from people who at one point were mediocre or felt mediocre or lived in a life of mediocrity and gradually pulled themselves out of that. I think it's a very encouraging archetype. The underdog story is something we can all identify with because we all at one point or another felt down on our luck, felt mediocre, felt like we couldn't do something. 
And so I think mediocrity is something you can work with. I think if anything, life is a chance to improve upon things that you're given, upon situations that you encounter. And I don't think that anyone who starts at the top is going to have a very interesting story at the end because I think it's a far more encouraging prospect to think that you can gain things. And I don't mean material things necessarily, but skills and talents and experiences and often friends. I think that we are capable of overcoming mediocrity not just because of our capacity as individuals but because of our social abilities. I think you can find people who are willing to train you in certain skills, are willing to help you out, are willing to achieve your improvement and they want that for you and I think it's also a really great aspect of humanity that we can help stave off the mediocrity of other people around us. I don't say that in a belittling sense. I think everyone deals with mediocrity that they'd like to get rid of and I think that it's it's definitely present in our lives but I, I totally think that mediocrity can make us better it's just how we approach it as either sort of a closed door with which nothing can be done or a sort of an avenue it's a long road it's a difficult road but if you believe that your mediocrity is the beginning of something and can lead to success down the line then I think it can encourage you but you have to be able like I said before to envision the long-term goals, which I think is very difficult, but a very pertinent aspect of making mediocrity work for you. Yeah, Kip, and I think that it's true when you say that, you know, friends are such a wonderful resource. Friends, family, people who are there for you are the best source for staving off this mediocrity, for conquering this mediocrity. I think that it's important to have those people who not only help stave off this mediocrity when you know you need help, but also when you don't know you need help and when you don't know that you need some recovering. For example, if you're mediocre at handling your finances, it could be crucial for you to have some to help you out, be it your father or be it somebody else, because then you can get rid of a lot of heartache and headaches from the future. I completely agree. I also think it's really important to be aware of your own mediocrity. I was going to say point out mediocrity, but I think we're still much too sensitive as a collective whole to really accept others' honesty in that, yeah. in that realm. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that you're not perfect. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think that we live in a world that doesn't necessarily acknowledge that or gives all of us the aspirations to be perfect. And I think that's problematic. So I think it's especially important in order for your mediocrity not to overcome you, to be aware of it, to recognize that you might be great at playing the piano or whatever, but you're not so great at, let's say, painting or cooking. I, you know, these are obviously basic skills that I'm referring to here, but I do think it's important, especially because you always have something to work on. There are always skills that you can improve upon. And I think, again, part of life. So I'm not, I'm not under the impression that mediocrity is something to be ashamed of. And it really upsets me when I see people criticizing the mediocrity of others or being overly hostile about it. I think there are reasons to point it out. I don't think one of them is for insult or criticism. I think people need to work on their mediocrity mm -hmm. because we all have it. But I also think in a way it's it's a personal battle. If you ask someone for help with your mediocrity, that's a different thing. Or like you said, sometimes people point it out when you don't even know it's there. As long as it's done in a tender and sensitive way, I don't think it's problematic. I also think the relationship between the people is important. If your parents point out something, I think typically we're, we're more willing to accept it because we trust in their judgment, again, typically speaking, and their perspective. So we respect where they are coming from. And I think that's 
a key piece of this that mediocrity is something that you have to deftly handle. It's mm-hmm. not simple and it's definitely not something that everyone's comfortable talking about, unfortunately, but it does persist nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a very good point. I think it is a good thing to be aware of your own mediocrity. I think that is the best way to combat it. And going along this other point of, you know, maybe somebody else makes you aware of your mediocrity. If somebody else points out a flaw or something that they see as frustrating or could be better by yourself, it's good to listen. It's good to try not to (laughs) go into denial or to repress those feelings if somebody else is mentioning it because it's it's probably being told to you for a reason so Mm -hmm. and so as to give listeners a a bit of sunshine or at least brighten up what might have otherwise seemed like a very dour topic i would say that i think mediocrity is manageable like any other if we're going to call it an issue or a problem like any other problem you just have to sort of break it down and recognize where it comes from, what role it's had in your life. Because I think one other reason that mediocrity persists is because we let it, because it's not bad enough that we need to change, and it can exist comfortably if we never deal with it again. As a former lacrosse player, I don't need to really worry about the fact that I'm not a great lacrosse player because I won't ever, at least likely, play it competitively. But if I change that and put myself in a league and force myself to play it competitively on a consistent basis, I suspect that I would improve because it would become a part of my life, at least in that period. And so I think a big piece of mediocrity or handling it is facing it, making sure that it it has a reason to improve in your life and that it's not just necessarily a side project because you really need to give yourself that motivation. I think everyone's capable of it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of connections that can be made to both inspiration and also habits to mediocrity that we could probably make in future episodes. I guess another last thing I wanted to mention was I remember reading about his name is Buckminster Fuller. I don't know. Do you know who Buckminster Fuller is? Yeah, he, for our listeners, if you know who he is, research him. He's pretty fascinating. He created the geodesic dome. And so it's a dome created out of triangles or, yeah, small triangular shapes. And the most famous example of this is the Epcot Center Dome, which holds one of the rides. I don't know. It's, it's the first thing that you hit when you go into the Epcot Center in Disney World in Florida. But Buckminster Fuller, if I remember his story correctly, he was about 34 years old. He felt like he hadn't accomplished much with his life. He had a child. He had another child who had passed away because I think she had mold in her clothes. Or Basically, he was down on his luck. He was very sad. And he had reached this point of desperation where he was about to drown himself. He was heading towards this body of water and he was ready to drown himself because he wanted to for, for the life insurance to go to his family because he thought that was all he can do. And all of a sudden he had this vision. I'm not sure if he calls it a vision, but he essentially had this vision which told him, listen, you are not allowed to take your own life. Your life is a part of a much bigger picture and you are capable of helping out in this society in this world that you live in and so you're not allowed to take your own life it's not yours to take and after that he created the geodesic dome which i think was shown in the world's fair and then became this very big thing this architectural shape and form that was used somewhat commonly and he even created this whole vocabulary for this way of thought that was inspired by this moment for all you listeners out there if you have any comments 
criticisms, please let us on to your criticisms, critiques, anything, any anything you want to tell us, please write to us. Our website, strideandsaunter.com, is up and running. Please feel free to fill out our surveys, to fill out our request form for topics. And if you'd like to be interviewed, just let us know. We can also be reached on Twitter at Stride and Saunter. That's N, not and. And we can also be reached at Stride and Saunter at gmail.com. Right. Please contact us, reach out to us. We have not had very many listener interactions, and we would love to have more. You guys are the reason we're doing this, and we really appreciate any and all input you are willing to provide. So let us know. We want to know what you think about mediocrity. Is there something we left out? Is there something you want us to talk about? And of course, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our others, please consider reviewing us on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. If you did not like the episode, let us know why. We want to improve, and we appreciate your honesty. So in closing, as always, from thought to word and voice to ear, we thank you for listening. This is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Hector Marrero. Be your better self today.